Well, we're winding down a series that I think has been a lot of fun to, to share with you guys. Uh, something called The Road Less Traveled. And it's based on a Robert Frost poem. I'm sure you've heard it where it talks about, and there are two roads. And uh, at the end of the poem, it says, and I chose the road less traveled. And if you're in this room, chances are um, God has got you on that road somehow in some way. And it is a long journey on the road less traveled, but it is a well worth it journey. Uh, I was just uh, uh, on the road yesterday spending about nine hours driving through pouring rain, uh, but uh, very, uh, very, very inspired by what I was driving from and, 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 and getting to drive towards. I spent uh, a few days at what was formerly called the National Missionary Convention, which may or may not be exciting for you. Uh, but for me, it was really pretty cool because I found that uh, in that location, uh, several people that I hadn't seen for probably 25 years uh, showed up. And uh, all of us, you could, it's safe to say, were a little grayer. Some of them were a little bit bolder, and a few of them were gone. And one of the people that had disappeared off the face of the map was a guy I met who was in his 50s at the time. And he told me a story about being a, a, a young man in his home church and how one of the elders had taken him aside and said, you know, Larry, you have a sense of helping people know the Lord. I think you need to go to seminary or you need to go to college. You need to learn more about how to do that. And he did. And as he got the vocabulary and the language to know how to speak the things of God, something inside of him just clicked. And it wasn't so much all the learning that he did as much as how it began to deepen a relationship that he had with God. So much so that a chapel speaker had come and spoken to the student body about what was happening in Zaire, Africa. That there were a lot of changes that were occurring and there was a real need for missionaries to go. And Larry said, I can go. And so for the next 30 years, Larry spent countless days traveling the different unpaved and paved roads of what was formerly known as the Congo, the Belgian Congo. Establishing churches, helping people to grow, helping leaders to develop, and he just poured himself out. And in everything that he did, he was just extremely passionate. But like anything, there was, uh, there was opposition, a very small form of opposition haunted him for the rest of his life. And at first, it was just a mosquito bite. But shortly thereafter, it was a fever. And then it was full-blown malaria. And it would get so bad that uh, it would almost render him unconscious. And he had a few bouts of that. And, and after 30 years of going through these periodic bouts of malaria, he decided, I, I need to go back to the States because my health will not hold up in this environment. And I want to do something. I want to reproduce what I just did in the lives of other people. And so for the next 25 years, Larry just was a catalyst for new missionaries coming up and finding their own vocabulary for what it means to speak the things of God. And at the same time, deepening their passion 
for God and their passion to see those things that God would want to see. And that is the connection between God and his lost people. And I can't tell you how many people went to the mission field because of Larry. In my own conversations with him, I wasn't thinking about going myself, but after talking to him and a few other people, next thing you know what, I'm going and I'm meeting people that are from South Africa and they're from different tribal groups like the, the Sutu and um, uh, the... Kosa, they talk like that with clicks, um, and, um, and, and, and about eight others. And I'm thinking, wow, this is a great adventure that God's got us on. It's the adventure that my friend Larry was telling me about. And it was the adventure that he lived and he wanted other people to see. But the thing about God is you don't have to go on the mission field to do exactly what he was called to do and, and we did. But the one thing that you do have to do is you have to get to know him. Who's him? The Lord. Because he is really the source of what we need on the road less traveled. He is the, he's really the one that makes it happen. And the Apostle Paul was a missionary very much like my friend Larry, only he goes 2,000 years prior. And he had such a passion for the things of God, not because of all the information that he had, but because God broke into his world and said, Paul, I want you to come. I want you to see the lives that I want to know, but don't know me, but they need to hear somebody who can share that love that I have for them. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And Paul said, I'll do it. I'll do it. Uh, Now that I see it, now that I get it, now that you're alive in me, I start to see people differently. I start to see people through your eyes. And he found his own language for what he would later describe as the experience that he had with love. And in the book of 1 Corinthians 13, it lists some of what he came to understand love to mean. Because I know a lot of us, we've heard that word, we know that word, we feel that word, but do we really, do we really understand it? from the way that God understands it. And I, I just want to read some of, the, some of the things that he said in 1 Corinthians 13. He said this, Love is patient and it is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. Got all that? Because there's more. And it's this. It doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. And maybe you're thinking right about now. Yeah, you know what? That kind of sounds like what the pastor said when we got married. Well, maybe he did, maybe he didn't. I don't know. Chances are he did because I say it a lot. But I don't want you to just leave it there. And one of the reasons why your pastor, when he married you, or at that moment of your life, when you were going through the vows, when that happened, one of the reasons why that was offered is because if you do that, it works. It just works. Things happen. People draw closer rather than pull apart. People begin to see the very characteristics of the God that they long to worship. 
when they see that that really is a reflection of every quality that God has when he sees you and I. He just can't help himself. Have you ever, have you ever seen um, kids get passionate about something and you tell them, you know, if, if, let's say they're passionate about a particular toy or something or they're passionate about playing or they're, whatever it is they're into, they just kind of lose themselves in it. And you call them home for supper and they're, they're not wanting to quit or they're just needing to, you know, do something else for a while and they, 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 can't, they can't do it. And what God instills in us is that, that same passion for his people where you get to the place where you can't help yourself. You can't help but love his people because it's actually him doing it through us. And Paul said if you want to see how that love works in a healthy way, look no farther than that. And when I thought about my friend Larry, I was kind of sad but kind of happy for him as well. Uh, at this convention, they gave a list of, of several people that had passed away in the, in, in, in the past year. And, and his name was on there. And I was thinking of all the stories that I'd heard about him, stories that he told me. And then I thought, wow, he took the road less traveled. But he took a lot of people along with him. And what was the thing about Larry that I found so compelling? He always smiled. He always cared. And he always loved. It wasn't like, I'm going to give you the most convincing missionary recruitment speech you've ever heard. No. He just lived it. He just embodied it. I mean, if I, if I, if I think about my friend Larry Doggett, and I look at those words, I just see him just taking that and bringing it, bringing it to bear on everything. And that spoke volumes to me because it said to me, if that kind of a guy has that kind of passion for lost people in the way that he has passion for lost people, I find that compelling. I find that sort of drawing me in. And he wasn't the only one. There were m many people that I've met along the way, and that's just the way they were. They had that passion. It was unleashed, and people were drawn in. There was another lady. I, I, I don't even know her name, to be honest with you. I wasn't familiar with the work that she did, but she was the same age as Larry, in her, in her mid-80s. And up until just a short while ago, she was taking a, a, a motorized canoe through little coastal villages in a, in a, in a pretty tight, uh, confined space of, of probably 10 square, 15 square miles. And she was just going to these different villages that had little groups of people that didn't know the Lord. Uh, but she would go there, she would share the gospel, she would help them with medication, she would help them with educational things. Um, and somewhere along the way in this whole process, they ended up even getting cell phones. Now, whether or not that was a good thing, I'm not sure. But perhaps they were the flip variety so they wouldn't get too addicted too fast. But being where they were, there were limitations even with what the capabilities of those things could be. And as she was going to these different villages with these little clusters of tribes of people, she was endearing themselves, her, herself to them and, and, and they to her. So much so that 
when she had to come back to the States for health reasons, all she could think about was who's going to continue to evangelize and equip and help the, the leaders and the people in, that, in those churches to be strong. Because a lot of them were still in the process. And she had this vision not very long prior to her having to come back to the States. And it was to take digital media from sermons that were given in, in, in the language that they could speak and then deliver it to each of the little groups and enclaves of people and then they could watch the sermons and then they could learn from that and they could grow from that and they could begin to just deep, deepen their roots in the Lord. And that's sort of where she left it. And as she was, as the Lord was getting ready to come home, she, she, it wasn't circum, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't one of those things that it's like, yeah, it's all coincidence. No, God orchestrated this fellow named Tom. Tom Schneller, who's from the Cincinnati area, but is involved in missions. Tom had had a conversation with her, and she said, Tom, I don't know what to do with what I've done, but I don't have anybody coming and finishing the work and expanding on it. And Tom said, well, you know, I'm, I'm involved in some missions actually in Nepal. I'm not sure what I can do here. And as they talked and she shared the vision, he's like, I don't know how God is going to do this, but I'm going to take on that responsibility of making sure that those people are continuing to grow in the love of God. And you could just see the passion in Tom's face whenever he shared that with me a couple of days ago at the little booth that we were at. Uh, you see, we were over there with uh, Sean Tice who plays uh, uh, the bass a lot of times off to my right. And, and Sean, other than playing um, a, a musical instrument, which he's very good at, happens to own a business that... Um, for the last 10 years has, well, since actually the 90s, happens to create unmanned aircraft. You're probably familiar with them, called, um, uh, what do they call those things? Drones, yeah. And he's been doing it for a long time. So he can make any kind of drone that you could ever imagine to do any kind of thing that you needed to do. And Tom Schneller happened to come by our booth and he was looking at what we were doing and you could just see the wheels turning. How is it? that I can take the love that, that this lady had for those people and continue to do my part to fuel that passion that she had for their lives. And then he just said, you know what? Drones are it. That's what I need to do. I need to use that aircraft or that quadcopter and I need to take it to the different little outposts that have been established and just deliver digital media just drop it off. And I don't even have to do it. I can actually find somebody who's in that region who is perhaps attuned to the whole process and just enable them. And then Tom said, I think I know the person who can do that. I see all of these things fitting together and I, I'm just watching this unfold as he's, as he's processing this whole story and then seeing how the story is going to continue to unfold long after this lady who started the mission is gone. And this is the thing I want you to understand. That when God begins to unleash his love, and he does it through us, and he does things that are 
designed to expand on that love in our lives, God also remains faithful to the process. And in this case, God was telling this lady, I know how much you're passionate about these people. And I'm going to find a way so that when I call you home, you can have peace knowing that what you love so much is, 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 is loved no less by me, and I'm going to keep it going. And I just saw God working through this fellow Tom, and then as he talked to Sean, and Sean's like, yeah, we can build this. And then they got into talking about the perimeters and the range and the payload and all that. And it became obvious to me that what God loves, God orchestrates things in passionately. Because love never ends. But if we back up a, a verse or part of the, uh, a, a phrase... Love endures all things. It's patient. It's kind. does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. And Tom could have said to this lady, I wish you well. He could have just shrugged it off. He could have said, well, your time's come and gone. But he said, no, I'm, for some reason... God is making me very interested in what you're doing. And I'm not sure where he's going with it, but I'm on board. And there's a lot that we could talk about when it comes to love. But if we travel on the road less traveled, and we're unclear about where God is leading us, the one thing Paul wants us to know, the one thing Larry Doggett wants us to know, the one thing this unnamed missionary that I don't even know wants us to know, the one thing Tom Schneller wants us to know, is that the love that God has for all of his people never ends. And he will do everything that he possibly can to make sure that through frail creatures like us, that work will continue. And so I'm going to close this message with a picture of the depth of that love. Now all of you have heard about the cross of Christ. And you have ideas about what that means. And maybe you've worn one. Uh, maybe you have a tattoo on your arm. Uh, who knows? But when I think about the cross of Christ, I, I think about a lot of things. But one of the primary things that I think about, especially as I'm taking communion, is just what happened there. And this is what happened. God came into our world in the form of a man, which you've heard before. But just imagine being God and then reducing all of your capacities to do the miraculous, to make planets and stars and to uh, change the weather and, and, you know, on and on. And you reduce your capacities to basically what you and I can do. And that's it. And you're like, wait a minute, couldn't Jesus perform miracles? Couldn't he do those things? Yeah, but if you notice, every time that he did something, he had to ask the Father to do it through him. And the reason he did that was to make a point that God is so awesome, but yet he is so 
humiliated in his desire to know us as his children, that he became one of us in the form of the very flesh that we have. And you may be thinking, well, yeah, but... He wasn't really tested like I am. He didn't have issues with, with, with um, uh, you know, wanting what other people have or anger or hatred or things that you think, yeah, God, Jesus wouldn't do that. But the writer of Hebrews tells us after he, he died, oh, but he did. He was tested in all that stuff. And in all that stuff, the thing that sustained him wasn't a series of rules that he said, I've just got to obey those. The thing that sustained them was the fact that this is a, what I'm doing here on earth is about more than what I want. It is about what my father wants me to do. And as I do this, I know it's going to cost me. And it's not going to be easy. And what God did in the form of of Jesus, who, if you ever want to know what God looks like, look no further than the face of Jesus. What God did was he reduced himself down to such a level that he was vulnerable to the people around him to the point where they arrested him for no real reason other than one they made up. They beat him for no justification other than perhaps their own sadistic characteristics or they saw him as a threat in some way. But regardless, God didn't, he didn't fight. He just said, I'm here to show you how much I love you and the Father loves you. And so he just kept going down the path. And as he went down, it just got worse and worse and worse. Till finally he's dragging across through the streets that he's unable to manage. And he loses even the capacity to do that. And somebody else carries it for him to a place where the, the, first, century, the first century equivalent of the execution chair is being lined up. And you're going there, God. And you know what God said? No, I'm going to go down fighting. But no, God said, I want to show you something. That I'm coming to change the game. How did God do that? Because typically, it's always us versus them. It's this, this group of people versus that. This tribe versus that tribe. This, this nation versus that nation. And you see all of these continuous cycles of violence happening between each other. And God said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to win. I'm going to defeat death and Satan and all those minions and the sin that we connect with so much. I'm going to defeat all of those things using their own, their own weaponry against them. So when God humbled himself in the form of you and I and was essentially martyred for reasons that have nothing to do with anything that he did and then he went down into death and he said, you've been keeping people captive for far too long and I want you to know something. I am declaring on this day that love is stronger than death. And then his father brought him back to life. 
And when he did, he said, I know those people, they, they, they've got a lot of problems. We have a lot of problems. But God said, I love them so much. I want to just take their greatest enemy head on and show them that even their deepest fear is going to be rendered powerless over their lives because my love is going to conquer it. And so people, when they started to see how Jesus faithfully did what he did, defeating death on its own terms and nonviolently winning the day, God said, used to be might would make right, but in the community that I'm trying to create, it's love. Love is stronger than death, and love is the one feature that I want to see define what happens here. And the reason Paul wrote these words was up until the time that uh, these words were penned, he's just dealing with one dispute after another, one conflict after another, one group of people saying, my gifts are this, and look at me, another person, you know, uh, having some issues. And Paul's trying to very patiently, um, very uh, kindly, um, very long-sufferingly help them, but not indulge in it. Uh, trusting and believing that somehow this thing is all going to work out because his love was hoping all things as it is as it was enduring all things and for Paul in the new community that we travel together on the road less traveled love is the feature if a person says I want to go to church and they come to a church like this their expectation may be it's just another social organization. But if we're really doing what we're supposed to be doing, the love says Jesus died in a way that is unimaginable for God to die. Jesus came out of the grave in a way that is incomprehensible for a human to do. And he did it for you and I. And it changes everything. Paul went on to say, now there's a new humanity. There isn't Jew or Greek or slave or free, white or black, Indian or, or American or any other people group. We are a new humanity in Christ. And the reason he said that is because Paul knew as hard as it is us for us to see, and even wrote about it in this chapter, we see us through a glass dimly. We can't really see where we're going. But one day, we'll see with full capacity and see what's in front of us with eyes that God sees us with every day. And Paul promised that love would be the vehicle that would transfer us to that destination. But the real challenge, like any environment, is we have to love one another. And when we do, we're true to our brand. When we don't, 
then we're just working against the things that God is working towards. And, and the real issue or enemy isn't one person versus another. The real enemy is right here, right down the middle. And the way that it works is surrender. God, you've come into our world to give us a new way to redefine the rules and to set us on a path. And what better quality to define that new way than love? He wants you to know it. Hopefully today you've seen it. And if anything, especially you see it embodied in the people that come here. And hopefully if you've been here for a while, you are one of those people. I'd like to just bring this to a close as we just think about how that fits into each of our lives. And maybe God's calling you to love another person in some way, like a missionary, maybe not, and it's okay. Maybe it's just people that you see that are disconnected from that love that you want to help them to connect that love with as they come to know God personally. Let's be those people.